the only team to win locally on Friday night, the Minnesota Wild, and they go up 2-1 on the Dallas Stars. And joining us from the rink live, Jess Myers, and he joins us uh, here at News Talk 830-WCCO on the Jen Schuster-Coldwell Banker hotline. And Jess, uh, the Wild played great in Game 3. They absolutely did, and, and a, ne- a game they needed to play well in. You know, the theme I've heard, Steve, so far in these playoffs, and, and this is an interesting take, is that when you lose a game, you have to f- forget it immediately, and it looks like that's what the Wild did. And they also say when you win a game, you have to for- forget it immediately because every game is a new chapter, and, and nothing you did before matters. You have to start over. And I really think you saw that from the Wild last night. Uh, a first period where it looked like one of those typical lock it down, you know, no open ice, short pass kind of playoff games. And then things kind of opened up once Minnesota got a goal and Matt Zuccarello hadn't scored uh, in the series, finally got things going. He had two goals last night and he broke the ice. That got the crowd into it. That got things rolling and, and uh, thing, things were a lot of fun from that point. Yeah, great crowd. And returning to the net was Philip Gustafson, there was a lot of uh, hand-wringing about the decision to put Mark Gondre Fleury in in Game 2. Uh, the team didn't play particularly well in front of him. Uh, the goaltender is probably going to get way too much credit and way too much blame in that circumstance, but it wasn't a good night for the Flower or the Wild in Game 2. And that was one thing that Dean Evason kind of dug his heels in a little bit on when, when a member of the media asked him about that decision once the team returned to, to Minneapolis uh, to the airport. They, you know, they, they did a presser right out there uh, on Thursday, and he said, hey, show me a goal from that game. And granted, the Wild gave up seven goals in game two, but he said, show me a game that you uh, – a goal – that you would want Marc-Andre Fleury to stop. You know, he absolutely defended the decision, not necessarily that, you know, they played well with Fleury in goal, but that that loss was not hung on the goaltender, that they gave up odd man rushes, they gave up breakaways, they gave up stuff where, you know, you don't typically hang it on the goalie. Um, With that said, you're absolutely right. For whatever reason, Steve, this team just seems to play with a little more confidence with Philippe Gustafson backing things up. He didn't have a a hugely challenging night last night. There weren't a lot of huge saves, but I guess that's a sign that everybody's doing their job uh, defensively if if the goalie doesn't have to work that hard. The playoff atmosphere, every game is a war, and I always take a step back that to win the Stanley Cup, you need to win 16 of these games, (laughs) which is insane. The Wild have won two out of three, which is great in in the opening series. But to put your name on the cup in this day and age, you've got to win 16 playoff games. It's mind-boggling, really. You know, the legendary story from Detroit about, you know, they, they throw an octopus on the ice during the, sure. during the playoffs when the, when the Red Wings are winning. That's a, that's a big thing, an octopus. Well, that got started because... 50 years ago or 75 years ago or whatever it was, you needed to win eight games to win the Stanley yeah. Cup. And, of course, an octopus has eight legs. So that that represented the eight games that they needed to win. A, a fishmonger in Detroit thought, you know, I'll bring them good luck. I'll throw an octopus out there. Uh, so it just shows you, you know, how the NHL has expanded, that it's literally double that now, 16 games. And, you know, that that was kind of my joke after game one, which took, you know, basically a game and a half. They played five periods to win in double overtime. 
uh, on a nice goal by Ryan Hartman. But, you know, I said, okay, one down, only 15 to go if you're finally going to bring a Stanley Cup to Minnesota. But, you know, this is such a fun time of year. You know, in in a normal year, it's starting to get warmer now. Of course, we've got just extended winter, it seems like. But, uh, you know, you're starting to get the grill out. You're starting to tailgate a little bit more maybe. The crowds have been raucous. Tickets have been crazy expensive for these uh, you know, first couple games. You know, just to get in the door, you're looking at a couple hundred dollars. So it just shows, you know, kind of, again, how starved this community is for, like you mentioned at the top, you know, one team that's finally going to win something or, or, or at least, you know, putting in a, an effort to, to win something where, you know, things haven't gone well for the Timberwolves and the, the Twins are off to, I, I guess, an okay start, but, but you know, nothing that's got anybody uh, dreaming of playing in November. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the the Wild have decisions to make going into Game Four. That is a goaltender decision. Will it be Gustafson? Will it be uh, Flurry uh, between the pipes? But beyond that, they they did get a little bad news early in Game Three, and they responded with a five-one victory. But uh, Jewel Erickson, Egg, big part of this thing, did play, but very sparingly, and did not return. 19 seconds was the yeah. uh, official word of his time on the ice. He went one shift, and it was weird. We had watched him Friday in practice, looked like he was ready to go, but, you know, uh, you can control things in practice. You can control what you're doing with your body a lot more than in a game where you have to react to what others are doing. Um, and that's, I think, what happened to Jewel Erickson. I mean, right away something happened where he may have tweaked something, and, and uh, you know, they've seen him now for 20 seconds since uh, April 6th which is tough to see because he is such a, a hard-nosed competitor, you know, big 6'3 guy, and not only a, a great player, but just one of those great agitators. He seems to get under the skin of uh, opponents like just about nobody else on this team, and you really need that in the playoffs because you've seen already it's as much of a mind game as it is anything else. You know, this this idea that the Wild take a lot of penalties, and, and Dallas's coach has been talking about that, and, and Minnesota's coach responded saying, They've got some big guys on that team, and they're going down pretty easily. You know, he essentially accused the Stars of diving. And then, then the Dallas coach comes back, and he says, well, he's trying to deflect things from the fact that his team takes so many penalties, you know, whatever it is. That's kind of the fun of a playoff series. When, you know, when you, when you see the same team for at minimum four games, you know, in this series it'll be at minimum five games and maybe seven games, you get to know each other maybe a little bit too well, and that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, and at the end of all of it, They'll shake hands, which is a great tradition in in the NHL. These guys just beat on each other night in and night out. We'll see if it goes seven games, but looks like this series will be a long one for sure. The Stars, a good club, and still have a lot of fight left in them. But I I love that tradition where they shake hands and uh, move on or head home. And and it's funny too, you know the the history of the first twenty six years of this franchise. They played in Minnesota as the North Stars. Now, it's been a long time. You know, it's it's been thirty yeah. years since the last game at at Met Center, and you know they're uh, the memories are fading. But you do still see Steve a fair amount of people here in the Twin Cities that still kind of have a soft spot for the Dallas Stars because that was a team they grew up rooting for. You know, it's it's like. Uh, my father's generation, there are a lot of Packer fans among that group because that was the local team in this area before the Vikings existed. Um, I, I frankly hope that's kind of fading out, and I think uh, people are, are adopting the Wild as, as their own more and more and more. But, 
it's funny what uh, what happens to the fan base when a when a franchise relocates like that, and we're seeing a little bit of that. You know, I I think the bad blood is mostly gone. I haven't heard any chanting or any reference to Norm Green so far yeah. in this series, but we do have an enemy that which is nice. Uh, we we fully established Ryan Suter as yeah. public enemy number one here in Minnesota, and man, he was booed every time he touched the puck last night. There were Suter sucks chance ring through XL Energy yeah. Center. So, so that's another fun part of a playoff series. It seems like you always have to establish who the bad guy is, and, and Ryan Suter is, is wearing that hat in, in, in this series. Once upon a time, Parisi and Suter signing those deals were saviors. Uh, the Wild were clearly headed in the wrong direction. Fan interest was dipping, so on and so forth. They come in, um, but as it turns out, the, the contracts have, have been a burden as of late and will continue to be a burden for, what, the next couple of years for, for Bill Guerin and company as they come out from under that. But but beyond that, it was established later in their tenure that uh, Suter was kind of a disruptor behind the scenes and uh, maybe uh, wasn't a, a, a great teammate and and was very difficult to work with from a coaching standpoint. Yeah, you know, there were stories, and, and granted, yep. I'm not in the locker room, you're not in the locker room, but there sure. were stories about, you know, uh, strong-arming, you know, where practice was going to be located if, if you know, the, the guys yep. didn't want to drive on a snowy day, or things like bringing in your own coaches to work on the power play. You know, they, they famously brought in Adam Oates kind of on their own one year, uh, in addition to the wild coaching staff, things like that that, you know, we're very disruptive, I think, behind the scenes. You know, uh, as a public face, you could not find a nicer guy than Ryan Suter. You know, always good with the media, always, you know, good with the fans. He did the quick trip commercials. I mean, seemed, seemed to like it here, seemed to be uh, enjoy being part of this community. And I remember when he got bought out, he penned a, a story for the Players' Tribune about how Minnesota had become their home and they expected to, you know, settle here someday when they were out of hockey. So, so maybe the bad blood will fade over time. You know, granted, uh, you know, uh, one of these teams will be on to a different opponent uh, by late next week, I think. So, you know, may- maybe this will be forgotten as just a, as just a one-off. But uh, I-, I did hear a good line from my friend Judd Zogad from, uh, from Score North last, last night, who said, this isn't just about this series. For Ryan Suter, getting booed by the Minnesota fans is a lifetime achievement award for, for yeah. the stuff he did uh, when he was in Minnesota that, that rubbed people the wrong way. Yeah, that, that is great stuff. I, and I, I, I think I saw that uh, tweet as well along those lines from Judd. One other one I want to bring up, you, you've had the opportunity to cover this player over at the U and now in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Big part of what Minnesota was able to do this season in the Big Ten and ultimately get all the way to the championship game against Quinnipiac, and that's Brock Faber. It's got to be fun to be able to cover this kid, Jess. Talk about a whirlwind for, for Brock Faber. You know, captain of the Gopher team, they're ranked number one in the country. They're within you know, roughly three minutes of winning a national championship, and he was devastated that night. I mean, he was, it was tough to see just emotionally how tough that was on him to, to, to lose that game. And literally like 12 hours later, he's signing a pro contract. He's, uh, you know, going to Chicago to play for the Wild. And here's what's really cool about his story. You know, being a local kid growing up rooting for this team, last night was his first home game. Okay, in addition to that, so he had to get, I think he said, 14 tickets for folks. And these aren't cheap tickets, but it was a big deal in the Faber family to have him play his first game in Minnesota. 
In addition to that, he said he finally got a car yesterday because he, he was bumming rides from people to get to, get to practice because he never had a car. And up until yesterday, he was still living on campus with his gopher roommates. And he said he finally got his own place yesterday, too. So all of that came together. He's been playing great in this series, been playing mature, kind of mistake-free hockey, which is all you want from a rookie defenseman thrown into the playoffs. And the really neat thing I heard from him last night when we talked to him after the game is he said, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he was on the other side of the glass. And he said, you know, you're yelling to the players and you're wondering if they can hear you and you're wondering if they know you're there. And now he's on the other side of it, looking into the stands and seeing the young kids wearing the wild jerseys. And that was him just not too long ago. I mean, just just a really, really cool Minnesota hockey kind of story. You know, literally every kid's dream come true. Yeah, and uh, a big role in his playing well. Well, Jess, always good to visit with you. And we, we've got a reasonable start time on Sunday, 5.30 puck drop in St. Paul game for the Wild Up, two games to one. Thank you, as well, always. There's there's nothing like the playoffs. Let's keep doing this, Steve. Let's let's be talking about uh, the Wild Playoffs in June. Can we? Can we do that? Hey, I, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> it. It would be a fun run for sure. Thanks, Jess. Always good to talk to you, Steve. There he is, Jet Spires from the rink live, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. We'll-